0: Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, I'm the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the Success Alchemist.net, the Web and Empowered Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist on Twitter, I'm sorry, on Facebook and YouTube, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, on True Social Success Alchemist, and on telegram us uk patriot today is the 3rd of december 2022 and the title of today's show is twitter files and the deep state death spiral maricopa county fraud so the bombshell story of the week which only broke yesterday is of elon musk releasing the first set of Twitter files that he's been promising, which was showing how Twitter suppressed particularly uh, or almost exclusively conservative voices at the behest of the DNC. So I'm going to start by covering some of the, you know, news reports on this and then I'm going to cover a couple of op-eds which are really talking about more about what the implications are of this and it's really starting to look like the great reveal which the mainstream media are trying to suppress of course as they've done with everything and I'm wondering if this isn't the storm rolling in that um Trump has spoken about and he also said that we were going to be very have a very happy Christmas. So I think December is going to be dropping some major bombshells. So I'm going to start with an article by Resist the Mainstream. Musk releases Hunter Biden files reveals who was key behind censorship decision. And this was uh, this was published yesterday. On Friday afternoon, Twitter CEO Elon Musk released a bombshell report from journalist Matt Taby revealing that Twitter, under its former leadership, had been working in conjunction with the team of then-Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden, removing tweets and information that Biden wanted deleted, particularly information connected to his own son, Hunter Biden. Musk's decision to release the information came because it was, quote, necessary to restore public trust, end quote, in the platform, particularly after it censored the New York Post bombshell story about Hunter Biden's laptop in the weeks leading up to the 2020 presidential election. And as a tweet from Elon Musk, here we go. And then it's the Matt Taby thread, the Twitter files. Apologies for the background noise. We've got a rainstorm happening and it is rather noisy on the roof of my RV. So sorry about that. Okay, continuing. Musk began by tweeting Tabby's multi-tweet thread on Twitter, referred to as the Twitter files, writing, here we go. Taby began by explaining that while the company was founded with hopes for speech without barriers, they were slowly forced to add tools for controlling speech that were designed to combat the likes of spam and financial fraudsters. Slowly over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tools. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech as well, First a little, then more often, then constantly, Taby said. By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team. The reply would come back, handled. And there are screenshots here of these particular messages that passed between these people um, included in the tweets. Celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party, Taby continued. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, this system wasn't balanced, it was based on contacts. Because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, There were more channels, more ways to complain open to the left, well, Democrats, than the right. With the background explained, Taby began discussing the New York Post's article, Biden's secret emails, published on October 14th, 2020, a report about the laptop belonging to Biden's son. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings that it may be unsafe, Taby continued. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool hitherto reserved for extreme cases, for example, child pornography. White House spokeswoman Kayleigh McKenney was locked out of her account for tweeting about the story, prompting a furious letter from Trump campaign staffer Mike Hahn, who seethed, at least pretend to care for the next 20 days, Taby continued. This led public policy executive Caroline Strom to send out a polite WTF query. Several employees noted that there was tension between the comms stroke policy teams who had little stroke less control over moderation, and the safety stroke trust teams. And Caroline Strom's message, which was sent Thursday, October the 15th, 2020. Hi, team. Are you able to take a closer look here? Thank you. Strom's note, uh, which was the re- response to Mark Hahn, um, about Mac- Kayleigh McKenney's suspension, Taby says Strom's note returned the answer that the laptop story had been removed for violation of the company's hacked materials policy, he continued. Although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that summer about possible foreign hacks. There's no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. In the laptop story, in fact, that might have been the problem. The decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey. With former head of legal policy and trust Vijaya Gad, or Gaddy, not sure how you pronounce that, playing a key role, he continued. They just freelanced it is how one former employee characterised the decision. Hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone realised that wasn't going to hold, but no one had the guts to reverse it. You can see the confusion in the following lengthy exchange, which ends up including Gaddy and former Trust and Safety Chief, Yoel Roth, Comms official Trenton Kennedy writes, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe, Taby continued. By this point, everyone knew this was effed, said one former employee, but the response was essentially to to err on the side of continuing to err. Former VP of Global Comms, Brandon Borman, asks, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? Taby continued, to which former Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker again seems to advise staying the non-course because caution is warranted. A fundamental problem with tech companies and content moderation, many people in charge of speech know, stroke, care little about speech and have to be told the basics by outsiders, Taby continued. In one humorous exchange on day one, Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna reaches out to Gary to gently suggest she hop on the phone to talk about the backlash re-speech. Karner was the only Democratic official I could find in the files who expressed concern. Gaddy replies quickly, immediately diving into the weeds of Twitter policy. Unaware, Karner is more worried about the Bill of Rights. Taby continued. Karner tries to reroute the conversation to the First Amendment, mention of which is generally hard to find in the files. Within a day, Head of Public Policy Lauren, Lauren Culbertson receives a ghastly letter-stroke report from Carl Zabo of the research firm NetChoice, We should already poll 12 members of Congress, nine R's and three Democrats, from the House Judiciary Committee to Representative Judy Chu's office, the thread continued. NetChoice lets Twitter know a bloodbath awaits in upcoming Hill hearings, with members saying it's a tipping point, complaining tech has grown so big that they can't even regulate themselves, so government may need to intervene. Zarbo reports to Twitter that some hill figures are characterizing the laptop story as techs access Hollywood moment. The thread continued, the First Amendment is an absolute. Zarbo's letter contains chilling passages relaying Democratic lawmakers' attitudes. They want more moderation, and as for the Bill of Rights, it's not absolute. An amazing subplot of the Twitter Hunter Biden laptop affair was how much was done without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey and how long it took for the situation to get un as one ex-employee put it, even after Dorsey jumped in. Taby continued, There are multiple instances in the files of Dorsey intervening to question suspensions and other moderation actions for accounts across the political spectrum. The problem with the hacked materials ruling, several sources said, was that this normally required an official stroke law enforcement finding of a hack. But such a finding never appears throughout what one executive describes as a world, whirlwind 24-hour company-wide mess, the thread continued. There is much more to come, including answers to questions about issues like shadow banning, boosting, follow accounts, the fate of various individual accounts and more. These issues are not limited to the political right. And that's the end of the report. Um, Incidentally, there's going to be a second release of Twitter files today. I haven't seen them come out yet, but Elon Musk tweeted that that would be happening later. And now a report from Blaze Media. James Woods to sue DNC over collusion with Twitter to censor American speech. Scratch a liberal and you will find a fascist every time. And this was published today because this followed his phone into the T- Tucker Carlson show on Fox News. Elon Musk on Friday released a revelatory series of insights into the efforts of Twitter's prior regime to interfere in the 2020 election. One of the insights Musk shared via investigative reporter Matt Taby was that the Democratic National Committee demanded that Twitter censor 75-year-old conservative actor James Woods, among others. With his suspicions confirmed and the truth finally brought to light, Woods announced on Fox News' Tucker Carlson tonight that he will be suing the Democratic National Committee no matter what. What's the background? The New York Post began reporting on the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop on October 14th, 2020. Amid revelations about Hunter Biden's alleged depravities and then-presidential candidate Joe Biden's potential exposure to bad actors the world over, Woods took to Twitter on October 24, 2020 to poke fun at both Bidens. Woods' tweet paired an image of Hunter Biden apparently smoking illicit drugs while engaging in a blurred out sexual act involving feet with the caption, I'm on team toe. The parodic slogan was in reference to then candidate Joe Biden's slogan, I'm on team Joe. Woods added text reading "Feet don't fail me now. The DNC allegedly filed a report with Twitter censors who then dutifully censored Wood's speech. Whereas Wood's tweet was deleted, the account of another user, at Stephen underscore Liu Huan, was suspended at the behest of the DNC, Fox News reported. Taby reported, based on internal Twitter data shared on Friday, that celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party. Woods, who had been banned from Twitter two years earlier for making jokes at the expense of Democrats, was one of the many Americans who reportedly drew the ire of powerful partisans in Washington DC. Scratch a liberal and you will find a fascist every time. After the world apparently had confirmation that the Democratic political establishment and big tech censors had colluded, Wood spoke on the phone to Carlson on Friday night. Wood said he was shocked the way any other American would be if he were a target of a presidential candidate and a major political party. While stunned that this evidence should come forward, Woods noted that on the whole, he is not altogether surprised, given he has been a target of these people for six years. They have destroyed my career, they have destroyed my livelihood, they have destroyed my faith in a country that my family has defended in the military since the Revolutionary War, said Woods. Carlson asked Woods if he intended to take action against the people who violated his First Amendment rights. Woods answered in the affirmative. I can guarantee you one thing more than anything else you'll ever hear in your life. I will be getting a lawyer. I will be suing the Democratic National Committee no matter what, said Woods. Woods noted that win or lose, he will stand up for the rights of every American. He also expressed hope that others will similarly similarly sue and suggested that if enough people get on board, the DNC may be facing a class action lawsuit. Woods also noted he won't back away from a fight. I am not going to take this sitting down. I think these people are vermin for doing this to other people. He added this scandal has bolstered his previous claim that if you scratch a liberal, you will find a fascist every time. Woods later called for Joe Biden to resign, writing, How is the Twitter file chicanery any different from Watergate in summoned substance? Nixon resigned when his henchmen tried to subvert free speech. Your turn, Mr Biden. This was on Twitter, of course. Woods went on to thank his well wishes in a tweet. As heartbreaking as it is to see our nation hijacked by these grifters, it is equally heartwarming to see how many Americans still love this great nation. He also thanked Elon Musk for giving back to all Americans and voices around the world the most precious of gifts, free and open speech. And then we have Technofog on his substack, the Twitter files and the FBI. And this again was uh, published today. The FBI as a Democrat censor. In the event you missed last night's thread of the Twitter files, here it is. And it shows a screenshot of... The Matt Taby uh, tweet thread to give a short explainer, the talented Matt Taby posted internal Twitter documents around the 2020 presidential election, which demonstrated how political operations such as the Biden presidential campaign and the DNC petitioned the company to remove offending tweets. Twitter complied. The Trump White House would make similar requests, but as Taby observed, this system wasn't balanced. Instead, it was based on contacts. And as you can imagine, Twitter's staff, especially at the highest levels, was far left and supported the Democrats. What of the other Twitter files? Elon has promised more transparency and Taby posted on his substack that there may be a few more big surprises coming. Catch Taby and Walter Kern, both of whom we're big fans of, explaining the Twitter files on episode 15 of America this week. But there's a bigger story slowly emerging, the FBI's involvement in political censorship. As Miranda Devine observed today, there is much more to be divulged, specifically the FBI's meddling in the 2020 election and the FBI's pressure of social media companies, including Facebook and Twitter, to essentially censor the Hunter Biden story. It's the story of FBI Supervisory Special Agent Elvis Chan, who recently testified he was part of that effort. During the deposition, Chan said that he, along with the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force and senior Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency officials, had weekly meetings with major social media companies to warn against Russian disinformation attempts ahead of the 2020 election, according to a source in the Missouri Attorney General's office. These FBI warnings had to do with the potential Russian, quote, hack and dump or, quote, hack and leak, end quote, of sensitive materials. And they may have contributed to Twitter's assessment that the Hunter Biden materials may have been hacked, justifying Twitter's censorship of the story. FBI Director Christopher Wray actually took pride in these efforts, admitting to the agency's involvement with social media companies, quote, to make sure that their platforms are not used by foreign adversaries to spread disinformation and propaganda, end quote. The censorship was directed from the top. The response? Not that any of this matters to much of the left. The cliché started once the story was posted. Twitter's former head of trust and safety, Joel Roth, complained that the leaks were essentially violence and put the censors in danger. Um, It's got the tweet from him publicly posting the names and identities of frontline employees involved in content moderation puts them in harm's way and is a fundamentally unacceptable thing to do. The media's response to the Twitter file story was equally predictable and boring. It was a non-story. It was public relations for the world's richest man. They misrepresented the leak, ignored the merits, downplayed the significance of the Hunter Biden story by focusing on scandalous photos and not corruption and influence peddling and the tax evasion and violations of federal law and criticised Taby for posting the story on Twitter. Undertones of jealousy and resentment, as if we expected anything else. If their attacks are anything, they're unoriginal. By this time, we know what they're going to say before they say it. Thankfully, we were able to see the documents for themselves. They're damning, demonstrating the danger of the political control of social media. The DNC and Biden team knew they had friends at Twitter who would do their bidding during the election, and Twitter lied to the FEC about that influence. But that's just at the surface, there's something worse underneath it all, hidden from public, governmental influence and coercion over social media platforms, and the lies of the FBI to keep politically damaging and true material away from Americans. It's the massive censorship enterprise by the federal government. It's the one-sided influence operation on American soil. The CIA would be proud. It was there in 2016 and it continued through the 2020 election to the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic and the development of the COVID-19 vaccines. And it's slowly coming into view. And then a broader view from Martin Geddes. And this is actually one of his newsletters. And if you're not familiar with Martin Geddes, he's actually from the UK and he used to be in the tech industry, but has very much been following the Q movement and reporting on it with his own analysis. And this is part of the title I mentioned um, at the start of the show, Lied Suddenly, the Deep State Death Spiral. And this again was published this morning. Twitter, Balenciaga, FTX, the closing in brackets down act has begun. And it's got a screenshot of um, BBC News. Can you see the most important story in the whole world right now in the screenshot above from the BBC News website? Look closely. You will need a keen eye. Sorry, it's a trick question. The story is not there. Children getting ill from sore throats isn't the biggest issue facing humanity this weekend. How about on the tech news page? Nope, not there either. What about the page on the US and Canada? Also absent. Hmm. Most of us recognise that the BBC isn't involved in journalism. It simply offers cover for criminals as a propaganda and social engineering enterprise. If the BBC blacks out a major story, you know it must be really threatening to the power base that the establishment represents. The same applies to CNN, The Washington Post, MSNBC and the whole of the rest of the controlled corporate media, with few exceptions. The Daily Telegraph in the UK seems to have had a mutiny and started reporting truth, and the Daily Mail isn't doing so badly either. Maybe the writing is on the wall. Reform now or die. The biggest story in the world right now is the delegitimization of the fraudulent, illegitimate, staged, fake and bankrupt Biden regime. Last night, Elon Musk, who may be a stage character or a real person, Introduced journalist Matt Taby, a really real person, AFAICT, I actually had to look that up. I had no idea what it meant. It means as far as I can tell, whatever, um, to offer us the Twitter files. Musk gave Taby the authority to share a tier zero mega scandal much bigger than Watergate. This isn't conspiracy theory any longer when it comes from an official and credible source. Our fundamental freedoms are under threat and it demonstrates corruption at the highest levels. The US government, in collusion with members of both established parties, has been caught acting like communist China to erase your First Amendment free speech rights. This is part of an attempt to overthrow the Constitution and install a puppet government only answerable to foreign globalist interests. Specifically, Twitter has been covering up the Hunter Biden laptop story for no legitimate reason. This was done at the behest of agents in the Democratic National Committee, as well as government officials at the FBI. This is election interference and is illegal. When done on behalf of foreign entities, it is treason and punishable by death. Tied to the proven lies around Russian collusion and the dirty dossier, it is enough to justify the erasure of the FBI as an institution and the complete restructuring of the Department of Justice. This is a coup conducted via treacherous internal forces, which is the most dangerous kind. The consequences are extremely severe, both geopolitical and economic. The undoing of the 2020 election, which was a giant sting operation as part of a continuity of government plan, will result in tens to hundreds of thousands of indictments. What is important to understand is how everything is connected into one giant web of dark power. Criminals have business plans, form alliances and see no boundaries to their activities. Mafias are not limited to narcotics, prostitution, smuggling, extortion and murder for hire. They can also control media empires, pharmaceutical companies, banking networks, telecoms companies, technology brands and much more. In particular, they can covertly own our legal system and politicians, making the trafficking of all humans as debt slaves seem lawful. The blackout of this story by the mass media makes them further criminally complicit and gives sufficient reason for their removal by military force. Over the coming week, we can expect more revelations of big tech and legacy media working together to keep the public uninformed of organised crime by those in power. I have personally been on large demonstrations in London that were not properly reported on, so I know this suppression is a real thing. The U.S. Supreme Court is due to meet on Friday and may well drop the bomb and remove from office everyone involved in the certification of the 2020 election and more. This would certainly justify the storm is upon us tweet. What is referring to is a, a lawsuit. I think I may have mentioned this in a previous show that has been filed with the Supreme Court. It's actually a writ of certiorari. And the case is against 388 members of Congress and uh, even Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, etc. Because they failed to investigate the 2020 election for fraud. And that is a dereliction of duty. And that is breaking the, it's basically against the Constitution, And I understand that it's going to be heard in conference. Um, I don't think it was heard yesterday. That was a possibility. But there's another conference this coming Friday. So potentially it could be heard then. And it is possible for the Supreme Court to rule on it, which would mean the removal and arrest of these 388 people. If you go on to the Supreme Court Uh, Website, you'll see the docket that was filed with the writ of certiorari. So very interesting, and it's not the thing about this suit is it's not about proving fraud. It's just stating that there was a failure to investigate the 2020 election before certifying the electoral college votes. So it's a failure as I said, against the constitution. So continuing this article, once you see the media is lying to you by omission about one story, you naturally become curious about what else they are hiding. The Balenciaga scandal is written up very well by Liz Crokin, including links to the Clinton Foundation and Jeffrey Epstein. The fashion industry is a slum of repulsiveness and this is now being brought into the light. Children being put into sexualized adverts with BDSM gear isn't edgy, it is sick. The accompanying satanic symbolism and displays of artistic barbarity raise the most awful questions of what is really going on. Right now, the media is trying to put a PR spin on the indefensible and failing And I did report on this in last week's show, actually, the horrendous images that are linked to the people involved in this Balenciaga scandal. The critical part in Liz's article is how the media distracts people with labels like Pizzagate and the largely irrelevant detail of one store's basement rather than the big picture of human trafficking and widespread paedophilia. FTX is also going largely unexamined in the legacy media, it being a vast money laundering engine to recycle cash from taxpayers via foreign aid into the pockets of corrupt politicians. All the key themes of QAnon, whatever that is, are being validated, which means that those who are still awakening to this nightmare are being given cause to review everything that was previously dismissed as a baseless conspiracy theory. Now that Twitter is in the hands, we hope, of honourable people, in order to maintain total information control, the enemy would have to shut down the whole internet and or launch some epic distraction like World War Three. If these legacy media sites continue to ignore obvious major stories or try to spin them, their credibility will vanish even faster. Formal questions will begin to be asked by the few remaining people in power with courage and the public will start to vent their anger. We already see where this is heading with events in Brazil. The masses have awoken and are, li- are tired of being lied to constantly and gaslit. This mind control game is over. The natural next questions are, what other stories were suppressed by Twitter? I think we can guess that. We're talking about, you know, the vaccine and COVID-19. Who else has access to information suppression capabilities? Which other platforms were involved in suppression? What was the degree of coordination involved? Who was pulling the strings? What was the national and political allegiance and background of those involved? who is really funding big tech and these actors what are the crimes were being committed by the same players hint covid will failure to investigate or report by the msm mainstream media result in prompt arrest as a co-conspirator the liberal tech world still hasn't figured out that they themselves are the crux of the problem These ginormous crimes are only possible because the self-righteous and self-important refuse to examine the wrongdoings of their false idols. This protects their self-image as superior, clever and correct at the cost of the future freedom of everyone. Time is fast running out for you to locate your conscience and turn away. If you do not, the horrors of crimes against children will be pinned upon you too. Those who stand idly by or applaud are equally complicit. You have been warned over and over. Pride and arrogance lead to awful downfalls. Last warning. The death spiral of the deep state is about to take down a lot of institutions and reputations. The number of people facing jail over the next few years will be in the millions in the US alone. There is no precedent for a corruption purge of this scale and ferocity. Yet nobody lied suddenly. It has been go- ongoing for decades. The conspiracy realists were on the right side of history all along. The facts might have been obscure in the past, but are now fully established. The data is there for all to see. You just have to choose to look and believe your own eyes. The floodgates have been opened this process cannot be stopped. The time for justice has begun. And of course, we do hope that justice will follow. But, you know, one of the major problems is the corruption in the whole justice system. So um, but we mustn't let that discourage us. And then I want to follow that with uh, it's kind of a weekly roundup, I think, by um, Tom Rents on his substack. And uh, he's the lawyer who has been filing lawsuits relating to COVID-19. I haven't got the details about those particular lawsuits in front of me. But um, certainly if you follow his newsletter, you'll see a lot of articles on that subject. And this was published again today. Uh, Rhinos. Moore died suddenly. The WHO treaty is not gone. Katie Hobbs, Crook, Carnier and fighting demons. It's hard not to conclude that they're neither with us nor for us, but rather appear to be actively against us. This is not new, but the real question is why we keep electing Republicans who aren't any different, both at the state and at the federal levels. From a former pro football player turned actor to a virtue signalling country musician on his wedding night to dog the bounty hunter's sidekick, the sudden deaths continued this week. Sadly, these deaths will not only continue, but likely increase in coming years as long term side effects of the death jabs kick in, especially for those too blind to see what is happening and that continue to inject themselves with this poison. With the government and leftist media even admitting that almost 90% of COVID-19 deaths were over 65, why are the government and Big Pharma still gaslighting people into taking these toxic injections, which have already killed more people than COVID-19 itself? And why are they being pushed on infants, children and young adults who face statistically zero risk of dying from COVID-19? Even major research universities have concluded that this is unethical. How can they continue to say that these injections are safe and effective when they are neither? Indeed, even CDC director Rachel Walensky has admitted that CDC lied about its safety monitoring programme. The fight for justice and accountability is ongoing and it appears that several Republicans are really stepping up. Senator Rand Paul, Republican Kentucky, and Senator Ron Johnson are leading the pack on the Senate side of things. Paul appears committed to holding America's Mengele, Dr. Anthony Fauci, accountable for the hundreds of millions of cases worldwide that he caused by funding the gain-of-function research that created the SARS-CoV-2 virus in the first place, which led to millions of deaths from COVID-19 and the gene jab clot shots that so far have killed at least tens of thousands more just here in America. There's also strong indication that rank and file citizens are waking up too. The percentage of sad souls that were defrauded taking previous shots are balking at getting the latest and greatest booster, the one tested on only eight mice. Thankfully, demand is way down while the demand for unvaxxed blood is way up the people behind COVID are already laying the groundwork for the next scandemic, which sources are suggesting will be conveniently timed to gin up support for the WHO pandemic treaty and to interfere with the 2024 presidential election. This is not confirmed, but we have heard it from several sources and is worth noting. In case you forgot about the WHO treaty, don't, because globalists haven't. They've been biding their time and continue to work on it outside the glare of the media spotlight to have it ready just in time for the next big global health so-called crisis. The WHO Treaty is about control and I will be writing in coming weeks to lay out relationships between the efforts to control people via health, digital currency and digital ID. Katie Hobbs, the Arizona Secretary of State, has been reported to have used her position to threaten a county to certify her stolen election. I don't know how to characterize this other than criminal. This is not just a minor abuse of power. It is an outright totalitarian act. The Arizona election is now absurdly into its second month without a resolution. We have been threatening action against Trump for January 6th for two years now while his texts and speech promoted peace. This crook threatened the Mojave County Board of Supervisors with arrest and criminal indictment if they didn't certify the election of Secretary of State and gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs. And the media is silent. Where is crooked Liz Cheney on this? Oh, yeah, leaving Congress. Sorry, I should be better than that. Kanye West, now apparently known as Ye, appears to be losing it. In just one week, he walked out of a podcast with Tim Pool, called off plans to buy Parlour, claimed that Kim had cheated on him and virtually self-immolated with anti-Semitism on Alex Jones' Infowars show before ending up back in Twitter jail for tweeting a Star of David that had a swastika embedded in it. I'm not really sure what to say about all this. There simply is no excuse for Ye's statements and I guess we just pray for him. Speaking of prayer, as many of you know, I'm of the belief that a lot of what we are seeing is a battle good versus evil. It seems more people are starting to realise this and declare it publicly. This week, Dolly Parton and former Disney star China McLean talked about aspects of this. I think we all need to start having the same conversations. So that was a pretty good roundup of the week's news, I must say. And there is some speculation about this uh, Kanye West situation, especially related to him showing up to Mar-a-Lago with uh, a guy called Milo, I'm not sure who that is, and Fuentes to have dinner with Trump. And there's a huge outcry because apparently this Fuentes guy is a white supremacist and anti-Semitic and everything else. And X22 reported on this in, I think it was yesterday's video. Um, He's suggesting that Milo and Fuentes were trying to use Yay to set up Trump. During the meeting, Ye decided to text Fuentes, but accidentally sent the text message to somebody called Nick Gravante, who is the lawyer representing the former Trump Organization CFO, Alan Weiselberg. Gravante then called Trump to warn him that this was a setup. Um, Question, did Ye text Gravante by accident or did he start to figure out what was going on and decide to warn Trump? It looks like it was set up to make Trump look like a Nazi stroke anti-Semitic and to make it seem like MAGA supporters are Nazis to provoke a civil war. Now, Trump claims that he didn't know these other people were coming and he actually There is actually an article on this subject from Zero Hedge saying the Trump team is making big changes after Kanye West dinner. So I don't know if I'll have time to cover that. I may do at the end if I do. But, um, you know, it's another attempt to discredit Trump, of course, which is same old, same old. So I'm going to move on now to more details about the Maricopa County election fraud, starting with Gateway Pundit's report, which was published November 28th. Impossible. Did Maricopa County lose 291,930 election day votes or did they gain votes? Sock Puppet account claims Indies went for Hobbs when Dems had only 17 percent Election Day Turnout. This is interesting. We will update this as we gather more information. Maricopa County originally announced on Election Day that over 540,000 voters visited one of the 223 Vote Anywhere centres in the county. Maricopa County posted this announcement online. And it shows a screenshot of the announcement And then it shows the inscribed, the original statement from Maricopa County. But then when the votes were counted, Maricopa County announced that 248,070 election day ballots were counted. And it shows a screenshot of the final official results. Somewhere along the way, Maricopa County lost 291,930 votes based on their own reporting. Update November 30th. Since our report, Maricopa County officials, who are known for switching their talking points, now say the number 540,000 included election day voters and election day drop offs. Here is their new explanation. According to the Maricopa County Elections Department, more than 540,000 voters visited a vote centre on election day to cast a ballot in person or drop off their early ballots. On November 28th, county officials voted unanimously to certify the election results, which resulted from 1.56 million voters casting 2022 midterm ballots. Those certified results included the following breakdown. Verified and counted election day ballots, 248,070. Verified and counted election day provisional ballots, 2,954. Verified and counted early ballots, 1,311,734. Another interesting fact, the Uplift Company, a Democrat-leaning ballot tracking firm, reported that 966,656 early ballots were returned before election day. This is significantly less than what the county reported. The company does an excellent job tracking early voting. It is interesting their number is lower than the county's official number. There are several questions that must still be answered about these numbers. Republicans had more registered voters than Democrats this cycle. And it shows a tweet from somebody called Jonathan uh, at Decent FIJC. Uh, saying, wait, hold on a second. When you say 17,000 equals less than 7% of election day votes, are you trying to imply there were only around 246,000 election day in-person voters in a population of 4.54 million people? I'll ask this and only once, is that your official position? And the next one, he says, before this gets deleted from the Internet, let's remember Republicans had registered voters than Democrats this cycle. So Republican registered voters, 1,436,852 and Democrat, 1,270,544. And don't forget this from an earlier post. As the Gateway Pundit reported earlier, despite only 17% Democrat turnout on Election Day, Katie Hobbs and Democrats are winning over 50% of Maricopa County Election Day totals. On election night at 8pm, Uplift data released its final hourly results on the Arizona and Maricopa County elections. Throughout the election cycle, Uplift posted the latest updates on mail-in ballot counts on its website as ballots arrived in the weeks leading up to election day. This was a great tool for Democrats to understand the real-time results. On election day, Uplift tracked the hourly reported results from precincts across Maricopa County. When the polls closed at 8pm Mountain Time, Uplift released its final analysis from the day. Maricopa County turnout numbers on Election Day at 8pm. Republicans received 52.7% of the vote. Other received 30.7% of the vote. Democrats received 16.6% of the vote. The other category is likely independent voters leaning Republican and Republican voters who refuse to talk to liberal pollsters. And then it shows the Uplift final vote count chart for Maricopa County on election day. So again, according to the Uplift data tracking service, Republicans had 52.7% of the vote on election day. Democrats had 16.6% of the vote on Election Day. USA Today reported on Wednesday, November 9th that Carrie Lake won 70% of the Election Day vote. Since Tuesday night, Maricopa County has slow-walked their actual results to the press. Katie Hobbs has won every ballot drop except two from Maricopa County since Tuesday, extending her lead over Carrie Lake by 34,000 votes. Katie Hobbs won more Election Day votes in the Thursday and Friday ballot drops. Carrie Lake won 51.8% of the 85,000 Maricopa ballots on Saturday night. On Sunday... Carrie Lake won 54% of the 97,000 Maricopa ballots on Sunday night. Maricopa County election officials want you to believe that all of the independent voters on election day voted Democrat in Maricopa County. And then we have again from Gateway Pundit breaking corrupt Maricopa County supervisors vote unanimously to certify rigged 2022 election. This is again on November 28th. The corrupt Maricopa County Board of Supervisors voted unanimously to certify the results of the rigged 2022 election on Monday. At the beginning of the meeting, Maricopa County Chairman Bill Gates foolishly claimed the election was run extremely well. Patriots packed the room to express their disapproval of this agenda item. The corrupt county officials got torn to shreds by numerous voters giving public comments. The Gateway Pundit reported on testimony from Election Day poll workers and Maricopa County voters who do not have faith in the 2022 election after seeing the uncertifiable disaster that occurred on Election Day. I know everything you're hearing is going to be dropped in bin number three. There will come a day when you sit before a higher judge. Maricopa County election worker testifies scanners were not working all day. Computers went down. And that's the headline from a previous Gateway Pundit report. Entire voting locations were non-functional upon opening due to printer and tabulator failures. Voters faced extremely long lines at the polls and voters were told to place their ballots into box three instead of a tabulator. In the testimony below, one registration clerk in Maricopa County details his shady experience where none of the machines were working, including the time clock for workers to clock in. Site books were also down, which caused poll workers to be able, unable to check voters in. When they finally solved this issue, an hour after the polling location opened, the printers immediately failed. At least 50 people were turned away by 7am, said the clerk. Testimony from citizens and voters went on for hours, but the county officials shamelessly followed through with certification. The supervisors did not even answer important questions as to how this happened or how many voters were disenfranchised because they were turned away from the polls. In his closing remarks, Bill Gates said this was not a perfect election, but it was safe and secure, which is absolutely ridiculous, of course. It's a bit like describing the vaccine as safe and effective. Couldn't be further from the truth. And in response to this certification, uh, Carrie Lake responds, and this is Gateway Pundit again, breaking, I will not quit. Carrie Lake speaks out on certification of corrupt election by corrupt election officials. Lawsuit incoming. And this is again published 28th of November. Carrie Lake has spoken out against the rigged and conflict-ridden Arizona midterm elections, which were certified by the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and several other counties today. The Gateway Pundit reported earlier that the corrupt Maricopa County Board of Supervisors voted unanimously to certify the rigged election that was overseen by mugger hating rhinos, a Katie Hobbs surrogate and radical leftist gubernatorial candidate, Katie Hobbs. Today, Maricopa County certified its rotten election despite hours of witness testimony of wrongdoing and an extremely flawed election in the public comment portion of their meeting. Many in the audience pointed out the clear conflicts of interest in this election as well. Conflict number one, Katie Hobbs refused to recuse herself from election oversight as Secretary of State in her own election for governor. Conflict number two, Maricopa County Supervisor Steve Gallardo served as the co-chair of the Latinos for Katie Hobbs coalition and he is now a member of Hobbs' transition team. Conflict number three, Maricopa County Recorder Stephen Richer, who oversaw early voting, founded and operated the Pro-Democracy Republicans PAC, a dark money PAC aimed at eliminating candidates with a MAGA agenda. Conflict number four, Maricopa County Chairman Bill Gates, who oversaw the election on election day, openly rooted against Trump endorsed candidates, calling their win in the primaries a catastrophe and saying, I think they are electable, which is frightening conflict number five. Katie Hobbs threatened to sue any county that did not certify this election and hand her the governorship. She is moving forward with a lawsuit against Cochise County for delaying certification. Bill Gates and Stephen Richer also starred in an ad by Never Trump groups to discredit auditors of Maricopa County's 2020 election and attack supporters of the audit like Trump endorsed Republican candidates these are the same people who oversaw the uncertifiable disaster that occurred on election day where voting machines and printers suddenly stopped working the moment the polls opened on election day republican voters were forced to wait in extremely long lines turned away from the polls or told to deposit their ballots in the questionable box three for misread ballots The Gateway Pundit reported on the election day anomalies where Democrats had only 17% of the turnout. The Arizona Attorney General's office even outlined potential law violations and wrongdoing in a recent letter to Maricopa County. Maricopa County deflected the blame and told the Attorney General to pound sand in their response. These people are criminals. As the Gateway Pundit reported last week, Carrie Lake dropped her first lawsuit against corrupt election officials and indicated that more lawsuits were coming. According to the statute, certification must happen before these new lawsuits can move forward. Carrie Lake tweeted the following update on the fight to save Arizona. Arizona is Carrie Lake and I wanted to update you on what's happening in our fight against Arizona's sham elections and those who run them. For starters, I want you to know that I'm firmly in this fight with you. Maricopa County just couldn't wait to certify their botched election. The botched election where half of Election Day voting centres were inoperable. The botched election where Election Day printers caused mayhem across the county. The botched election where Arizonans were expected to wait in line two, three, four, even five hours simply to exercise their sacred right to vote. Arizonas were told to throw their vote into a drawer where it might ultimately end up in a plastic bin or a trash bag. Maricopa County, where it took two weeks to count, is the poster child for broken, botched elections. But if you bring up any of these issues, you are labelled an election denier or a conspiracy theorist. They don't want us talking about our shoddy elections under any circumstances. They shut us down and made us fear exercising our freedom of speech, and they cancelled anyone who questioned past elections. Because of that, many Americans did not speak out, and nothing was done to shore up elections. And now we are paying the price again. Arizona, America, if we do not stand up and speak up right now about the most dishonest elections in the history of Arizona, I truly fear for our future. Our sacred vote is supposed to be the great equaliser of the people and right now our vote has been trampled upon. We must work hard right now to save it. This is our last chance. Those of you who are speaking out about what happened on November 8th, those who testified before the corrupt Board of Supervisors, thank you and God bless each of you. I am with you. Here's what I'm busy working on. I'm working with a team of patriotic, talented lawyers on a legal case to challenge the botched elections. My team and I realise how important this case is and what is at stake. We will file this case in accordance with Arizona state law and you will want to stay tuned for this one, trust me. So many have expressed concern about Maricopa County's certification. I agree. This botched election should not be certified, especially in Maricopa County, where the Board of Supervisors are well aware of the catastrophic issues caused by maladministration of Supervisor Bill Gates and County Recorder Stephen Richer, who started a dark money pack with the sole purpose of going after me, my campaign and our movement while they supervised the election. Let me repeat that. They ran an election with my name on the ballot and their number one political goal was to see to it that I was not elected. Can you say conflict of interest? Another member of the Board of Supervisors charged with certifying this botched election has been chosen to be on Katie Hobbs's transition team. Another conflict of interest and perhaps the greatest conflict of interest of all, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, the woman in charge of running her own election who did almost zero campaigning oversaw the botched election, is now threatening counties with legal action if they do not crown her governor by certifying the election that she botched. You simply can't make this stuff up. Add to this the Attorney General's letter implying wrongdoing in this election. It will give any honest person, any ethical person, pause to investigate and correct any issues, even after certification. The multiple conflicts of interest, the incompetence, the maladministration, the ignorance and the disrespect of voters is off the charts with those managing and operating our elections. We, the people, will not forget. God will not forget. And I will not quit. And she ends by saying, rest assured, Arizona, nothing will stop me from putting everything I have into reforming elections here in Arizona and in America. So that's it. I've run out of time. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you'll join me next week for another Cosmic Creating show. I really think we're going to see some amazing stuff happen in the next few weeks. It's very exciting. This whole bombshell from Twitter is the start. So in closing, I'd like to thank Nancy Hopkins for producing and Derek Condit for being the sponsor of Cosmic Reality Radio. Do visit his website at mysticalwares.com. So until next time, stay well, be safe, and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality. A production of CosmicReality.com